So today is Pentecost Sunday and we've come to the end of our sermon series on Challenging Times Lead To. We've looked at new strength, new opportunities, a new way of life, new courage, new witness, new trust. And I want to thank all those who've helped us to think through this in these difficult days. Last week, Jackie spoke about the new trust that the disciples had to find deep within themselves as they waited in the upper room for the gift that Jesus had been promising. In these lockdown days where many people are using online ways of communicating with one another, virtual waiting rooms are quite common. But they're just like any other waiting room. At the doctors, at the dentist, you name your own. You sit there waiting, sometimes patiently, sometimes not, pondering the conversation that is to follow, wondering what it will result in. Will it be good if a bit tricky? Will it be painful? Will it be hopeful or devastating? I'm sure, like me, you've sat in a few waiting rooms over the years. But for the disciples, after all their waiting and pondering, their time spent in prayer, almost as suddenly as it began, the waiting ends. The loud, wind-like noise, the tongues like fire settling on them, the new power, finally the gift was given, the Holy Spirit was in town. Waiting over, reality kicks in, the wondering comes to an end, and amazing things happen. As I've been praying this week with Thy Kingdom Come for my five, I've been wondering about two things in particular. Can they hear what's being said about Jesus? Not just by me, but others too. In other words, are we talking in a language that they can really hear and understand? And secondly, how can I help them to know that God loves them so much that he sent Jesus to die for them so that they might call on the name of the Lord and be saved on the day of judgment, as Joel puts it? Language. It's a funny thing, isn't it? We struggle to learn it as we grow up, trying to make sense of verbs, nouns, adjectives, past, present and future tenses, and even punctuation, which of course we don't speak, but use to help us speak. And there's so much variety, a few root languages from which all the others have developed, but all with the same verbs, tenses and nouns to cause confusion here and there. When we try to learn another language, a foreign language we might say, in order to be able to speak to people, Perhaps when we go on holiday so we can order a drink or find out the cost of a train ticket, or for work so we can talk to clients overseas. Then there's a whole different set of discoveries about how to speak so that others can hear and understand. When I left school, I trained as a computer programmer, so I had to learn several new languages, computer coding, in order to make computers talk to each other, hear and understand each other, so that they could do the jobs that they were required to do. And it wasn't easy. Punched cards and I just did not get on. Since I've been a minister, I've had to learn even more new languages. The language of academics as I did my degree. The language of the church. And actually, most importantly, the languages of the people to whom I have ministered. The disciples suddenly found on the day of Pentecost, as they were filled with the Holy Spirit that everyone in the crowd could hear them, verse 11, declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. They could hear the language they spoke in their everyday. I, like all of us actually, have had to learn the languages that other people speak, with differing backgrounds to mine. Some are very fluent using big and carefully chosen words, 
Others just say it as it is. And as I consider our parish, our friends, our families, I wonder what are the languages that we need the Holy Spirit to help us speak in, so that those not in the church can understand what we are saying. For some people, I guess this will mean we need to be speaking in a digital or an online kind of way, because that's how they hear things today, through apps and the like on their phones and laptops. But for others, I guess it will be more hands-on, coming alongside and working at things together, chatting things through. And for yet others, it will mean not just being careful with the words we choose to say, but also making sure that our lives actually live up to what we are saying. I wonder what the languages are that we need to learn to speak so that our fives and others can hear in their own language. This is important because when we really can't hear and understand what someone is saying, we generally have two responses. Either we can ignore them completely or we can ask for clarification. And we have both those responses in our reading. Verse 13, they've had too much wine. And verse 12, what does this mean? Peter takes both these responses into account when he speaks. Remember back to the first sermon in our series as he finds a new strength. He begins by responding to the accusers. No, we're not drunk. They're probably not really going to hear any more of what he says anyway, as they seem to have already made up their minds that this is not something they need to be bothered with. But then Peter responds to the questioners with a reply from Scripture that as Jews they would have been familiar with, the prophecy from Joel. Joel's prophecy was a tough one for the Jews to hear because it spoke of a day when God would judge all people, including themselves. This was tough because the Jews had always thought of themselves as the chosen nation that God would protect no matter what they did. Joel's news would be a bitter pill to swallow, but I have to say I don't think it is an uncommon thought really. Many Christians still complacently assume that their place in heaven is secure, however they live today. Joel shares, and Peter quotes, that there will be a day when all things will be made new. He explains that God will give some signs that this day is approaching. One will be seeing wonders in nature like the sun going down, sorry, going dark as on Good Friday. Luke 23, 44 and 45, it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. Another will be that God will pour out his spirit on all people. And Joel goes on to explain that this day will be the day of the Lord, the day when everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Joel warns everyone, God will make a judgment, but he also gives great hope that those who trust in the name of the Lord will be saved. So the logical next questions for a questioning person are surely, how can I be saved and who is this Lord? Again, back to our first sermon in this series where we've thought that through, as Peter preached with his new strength. In a nutshell, God wants to love us, his creation, but we do say, think stuff that he can't bear. We call this sin. We need to say sorry, repent, turn away from that stuff and learn to live in the ways that Jesus taught, trusting in him, putting him first in our lives, and we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us. Surely this is the message our five, everyone in fact, need to hear in such a way that they can really understand. It's not just hearing in their ears, but
but hearing in their hearts and minds so that they can change. The idea of a day of judgment is writ large through Jesus' teaching, and yet I suspect we all skim over it. We don't want to know or share a message that is potentially unpalatable, do we? We all want to share about a God who loves and cares for everyone. It's potentially a message that people will easily accept. But surely we, like Peter, need to share the real message, the truth, the old message of scripture with its new twist. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the old message, the one Joel and all the prophets preached. The name is Jesus. That's the new bit. We find it in Acts 4 verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation doesn't look any different in the 21st century as to how it did in the 1st century. The only thing that has changed, perhaps, is the way we communicate this so that people really can hear and understand. As I reflect on this, I'm left wondering if we are managing to speak in languages that people today can really hear. For some people this really will mean a different language, a different native tongue, Slovakian, Polish, Urdu. For some it will mean using different media, Facebook, WhatsApp, Zoom, online film clips and courses like Alpha and Start. And for still others it will eventually mean having a shared drink and a chat at the local coffee shop. And for yet others, It will mean being alongside them in grief, relationship issues, unemployment, all those areas of life that we struggle with from time to time. So for us, what does this mean now? I suspect it means we have to learn a new language, the language of the Spirit, so that he can guide us and direct us in the ways he did the Twelve and the others. The only way I know how we can do this is to pray and read Scripture, asking the Holy Spirit to teach us. Then we can have his new power. We will have his gifts to help us learn and to speak afresh to all the people he will lead us to, including our own five. This is so important right now, not just because we find ourselves in a pandemic situation, but because we need the Spirit's help to speak the languages people need to hear so that they can be saved. As we begin to work towards our second church plant with Emmanuel and St Barnabas, we're going to have to learn the languages of the people in the oldest part of the parish so that we can speak with them in the ways they can really hear. As we've journeyed with the early church in this Easter season, we've learnt so much about them, about how they lived their lives in the power of the Spirit. We've seen how they discovered new strength to be able to do things they never thought they could preaching sermons, for instance, how they took new opportunities to share their faith, how they found a new way of life that incorporated prayer and worship and caring for each other in ways they never had before. We found that the Spirit enabled them to have a new courage in the face of many trials, even the one Stephen faced, that they were able to find a new witness in themselves as they worked out, like Paul did, how to speak about Jesus in other ways people could understand and they found themselves a new trust in God in difficult and uncertain times. As the lockdown days begin to ease, the things we are waiting for will be changing, when we will be able to go to the hairdressers, play our sport, meet our friends and family, be together in church. But one thing will not change, 
our need to rely on Jesus, trusting him by the new power of the Holy Spirit, not just for today, but for every day and for our salvation. Isn't this how we are living now, getting through these tough days with their ups and downs? Surely this is something we want to share. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us to speak the languages others need us to speak so that they can hear this message, so that they can really know it for themselves, so that they, like us, can put their trust in Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit and be saved, not just for now, but for always. Amen.